Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning back into Drugs and Stuff. Today, Dave and I are going to tackle a bunch of your listener questions, as we always do. We start with high blood markers. How do you know when your high blood markers are too high? Do androgens change the androgen receptor? The process of going on TRT in the UK, will you ever get used to the pain of sustenon injections? What do you do when progress slows down on your cycle? Plus a bunch more. Oh, and Dave has a PSA about mental health. So we start with that. Then we get into the questions. We've got timestamps below if you want to skip around. And listen, guys, if you enjoy our content, then do me a favor hit the like button, leave us a comment. And if you have not subscribed, we have several podcasts coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them and comment with your questions. We'll be taking them for the next episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. It's also brought to you by supplementsource.ca. For all of our Canadian peoples, guys, check them out for great blowout deals on high-quality top brand supplements. Dave, I'm so distracted. What, What did you just put on Christmas Cabbage's head? They are black midget gems because I don't like them. They're horrible. What is a black midget gem? Well, a midget gem is a sweet. Um, a chocolate? Sort of like a, no, it's a gummy. So oh. sort of like, like your gummy bear type thing. Like THC? Uh, no. That's what you get in gummies. No, no, you don't. You get things that are sweets that don't have drugs in them, Scott. No, gummies have... No, not everything has drugs in it. Like between five to fifty milligrams of THC, each of them, each each gummy does. That's they the way it a, works. They are a hard gum sweet or chewy sweet, um, like rubbery one. Yeah. And I have three black ones left, and I don't like black ones, so I decided to put them on Christmas cabbage instead. Christmas cabbage, welcome to the show, uh, guys. We're going to get a little dark today. Here's the thing: uh, we are getting toward the holidays. Uh, and, and, you know, as much as we like to have fun on the program and hopefully we can have fun with this segment, uh, but, but we were going to talk a little bit about mental health here. Uh, Dave feels compelled to share some thoughts with you on mental health, which you know what I totally do. I, I back that because, uh, I think we've all had our own struggles in life. Uh, and as much as we do like to have fun on this show, I know that there are some people out there that, that are hurting and we've all been there. So Dave, uh, and then after that, of course, we're going to talk a lot about drugs. Dave? Good stuff. Yeah. Well, no, that's, um, I mean, I, I do, I think the darker nights do, do, to make people, um, start to become a little bit more self-reflective and inter-reflective. And I, I think, unfortunately, social media gives us a very false impression of what life is like. Because yeah. it ain't fucking real, you know? And and we we tend to be very influenced, particularly by social media, but also by the TV programs we watch and the films we watch and everything else. And they just aren't realistic views on life. You know, life is a bit shit at times. In fact, it can be very shit for a lot of times. And that's perfectly normal. And, and feeling shit is perfectly normal. And and 
not wanting to get up for work and all the rest of it, that, that all comes with the journey of life. It, you know, it's not a bed of roses. It's not all sunshine and happiness and pretty flowers and tweeting birds and fluffy bunny rabbits. It, it is sometimes mud and bogs and holes and shit and crap and everything else with it. Um, and I think we have to a degree mentally as a, as a, a, as a race, I suppose, as a population, as a species, I think we have weakened um, because we we do tend to. I mean, it, it, we we tend to think that because we get bombarded with all these imageries of these perfect worlds, that because your world isn't like that, there's there's a problem with it, and therefore you're suffering, and therefore you you're struggling. When in fact that struggle is actually pretty normal for most people. I mean, you see it with with steroids. Um, and this might seem like a really tenuous link, but bear with me. So people go on TRT thinking they're going to be bouncing around, acting 20 years younger than they actually are and shagging everything that moves and constant bonus. And the reality I, is... My current TRT is pretty good, by the way. My, we're not going to discuss that. You caused loads of problems with that the other week. So just dude, people, people believe me that I thought Leave, I was... I know, but you're on ground week, TRT. <laughs> By the way, I, I did back uh, it down a little bit. It was a little much for me, but that's that's another topic. Um, but the thing is, so people go on TRT and they think, I don't feel amazing because everybody's shouting on social media that they feel amazing with TRT. Oh, I don't feel amazing. So then they up the dose and then they yeah. up the dose. And then 12 months down the line, they're then starting to face problems starting to develop. Sure. And, and, and the, the, the bottom line is, you know, if you never had a shitty day, you wouldn't appreciate a good one. Yeah. And it's just as simple as that. And so, you know, I, I see it with people with TRT all the time. It's like, well, I don't feel amazing. Well, you're not fucking supposed to. You know, in the journey that is our life, we're supposed to feel tired. We're supposed to feel down. We're supposed to be emotional. We're supposed to feel like failures at times. It's all part of the natural ebb and flow that strengthens our characters as individuals. Because as we deal with these problems we get mentally strong. Yeah. And if you don't process these problems and you don't deal with these problems and you just avoid them, you don't get mentally strong. It's the trials and tribulations of life that strengthen us. That is true. Um, and, you know, not having it, I, though it may not appear because of my, well, I think I have a wonderful cheery dyspnea, but most people say I'm a miserable old con. Um, but what... <laughs> I, you know, I, I have shitty days. I, I feel tired all the time. I feel like crap most of the time. But I am actually very, very happy. I have a very contented life. Uh, I'm very, very lucky in where I am in my position in life, despite what's gotten wrong with me. I don't see that as a negative. Uh, and I've got an amazing partner. And Thank I've you. Done... Thank you. I try. <laughs> and, I've done, and I've done quite well for myself but at the same time you know like everyone else you still have shit days and I just think I think a lot of people live in a bubble about what their life is supposed to be like because they're always comparing it to someone else's life yeah yeah that is true man you know and I mean yeah. I always thought I had a very dysfunctional family. You know, my son's a knobhead. My daughter had a lot of problems with weed, and she was a knobhead for a while, as well. still is a bit. Um, 
Uh, I have a very dysfunctional family, and and I always thought that. And then when you get to know other families, you're like, actually, we're probably fucking normal, really. <laughs> <laughs> And I just think, you know, we, 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 we can be overly harsh in judging ourselves. Um, our standard should be us. Yeah. It shouldn't be everybody else. And the other thing as well with things is if you're not happy with where you are, but you don't want to create the effort that it needs to change, then you need to learn to accept us where you are. Because mm. if you're not willing to put the effort into change, you're not going to change. Yeah. I mean, how many people do you see permanently cyclically going through the process of either dieting competing then it's like oh i didn't do very well uh, i'll do better next time oh, i was politics or whatever bullshit excuse they want to use and then it's like right i'm bulking now i'm glad to be eating again oh i'm sick of eating i want to cut well i'm cutting now i'm sick of being starving i want to bulk. and it's like why are you doing this process because you don't enjoy it and you're not doing very well at it so what is the motivation there? You're just doing it because you feel you're expected to by other people. All right, listen, let's get to some drugs and stuff. That's that's why okay. people tune. We actually had people that were asking us some questions here in the live feed, so we can definitely tackle those. Uh, though we do have a bunch of questions from YouTube, and I am going to encourage you guys. Uh, first of all, I got to say, you guys are freaking awesome. Your comments always crack me. We have some of the best comments on YouTube, I think. We have some of the best people that watch our programs. Uh, and we've got a bunch of questions from the previous episode. If you guys do want to take part in the next show, then you can comment with your questions. We'd be happy to tackle them. Um, let's see. I'll just start up here at the top. I'm not even sure what I'm grabbing here, so we'll see. Okay, guys. Love the show. Listen to everyone as soon as it comes out. Um, love the mix of science, bro science, and personal anecdotes. Well, thank you. Is there any science on this show? <laughs> yes, a lot of science. It's, it's all science. In fact, uh, this program is acceptable for advertising under YouTube's guidelines in the context of science. My question is, what would you consider amber or red light values for common blood markers? I know it's all individual and we track trends but uh, is there an objective danger limit? My ALT and AST are 160 in the UK. Um, HDL is 0.52, potassium 6.3 uh, were the main concerns, but I'm a week out from a show running 100 milligrams of orals and just cut my trend and mast, uh, clearing out. Uh, going on to TRT shortly. Like, what is the 160 on ALT and AST? Those numbers are are not normal to me. I'm used to like seeing 30 and 40. So ALT range, I think upper limit's about 40 or 50. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but I would I would say that. So I I work in a very simple rule of thumb with ALT. ALT. A very simple way of describing LT, and it's not quite correct, but as most of you got used to now, I tend to simplify things so it's easy to understand. If you think of ALT as a rev counter attached to your liver, so it shows how hard your liver is currently working. So ALT levels will hit 100, 100 plus post-workout. They'll hit 200 with a course of antibiotics. Um, a heavy oral cycle will probably get them into the mid-250s. So with ALT, I have a very simple guide, and it's four stages. 100, not concerned. 200, know what's causing it, 
300, know what's causing it and have an end site in mind, i.e. in this situation, it's prep and I'm nearly at my comp, so I'm finishing shortly. 400, stop. Yeah. Rethink your life. But basically, yeah. Get alive. Um, but yeah, so 100, no concern. 200, you want to be aware of what's causing that and be aware of how long it's going to be, what is driving that level to that. 300, that's got a short shelf life. You only want to be at those levels for a very short period of time. Yeah. 400 stop. And, and that's the basic guide. And that put that in the context of what you're doing and you won't go far too wrong. If alt stays elevated, then you'll start to see that coming across. Um, you'll start to see level, you'll start to see that coming across into actual liver damage in your other markers. Yeah. But ALT jumps up and down like a fucking yo-yo. It's incredibly sensitive. And just to give you some, 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 I say some context, um, antibiotics, those sort of things are going to put you 200, 250. Uh, training will put you 100, even more. 130, it's directly post-workout where your test is being done. So it's very common to see our levels, levels elevated in anyone that trains because your liver is busy processing the waste from your diet and from your training. Yeah, coming into a show, um, things tend to run higher. You know, mm -hmm. That said, they don't they don't have to. I'll, I'll say that. I, I, I do sure. think one point you're making about training, you can not train for a couple of days before getting your lab work done. And that'll give you uh, that at least it'll take training out of the equation. But then I now I've, I'm not saying this is wrong. I just I just want to put this thought across there. By resting, altering your hydration or doing anything out of the, what you would normally do, you're putting your results as not a reflection of what your current lifestyle creates. But I don't think that what you're seeing from training is an accurate representation of the stress on your liver. If we wanted to look at the stress on your liver, you know, the, we know the training's going to fluctuate. But if, if you were to just say, oh, yeah, it's high because I'm training, then, you know, it would be better, in my opinion, to remove that variable. And then if it's still high, then you can say, oh, it could be that D-ball that I'm taking or the Oxy that I'm taking, you know? Yeah, I, but I just, well, I mean, the training influence for me is is not going to be as great anyway. So, I mean, you know, you're only looking, most males next day will see all between 50 and 70. It'll be, uh, it'll be mildly, mildly elevated, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's why I go back to that that ruling of, you know, if we're hitting 200, I want to know what's causing it. Why are you there? So anything between 100 and 200, why are you at that level? Yeah. And if you can't identify what's causing that elevation, then that's when you'd need to draw back and, and, and reassess and really start looking at what's going on. Yeah, if I were to have somebody <coughs> who tested their liver and the elevations were high and we in it you know it raised concern and they had trained then my thought would be like well what what if we had taken these levels without training you know what i mean i get what you're saying i just don't think the training gives a big enough increase to, to make it a, a major concern for the adulteration of the results that's that's my only argument but i mean i do get what you're saying as well if you take out all the variables that affect then you're left with what the base is of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just my thought. And, and also, too, I, I want to throw this out there. Something I really recognized after 
um, you know, getting to know Victoria more, that it's not just going straight across the board and saying, oh, okay, this is flagged and this is flagged. You know, reading your labs isn't necessarily that that easy because you can see it, it, it all they all together tell a story. So, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, elevation and lower levels that are still within range tell a story and yes. you need to know what interacts with what and, and why is, you know. So if I see low or high hemo, ordinary, you just think, well, that's anabolics. But I also will then will start looking at iron and looking at ferritin and looking at B12 and see if any of those markers are in any relation to those high or low levels of hemo. Yeah. Uh, or the same with RBC, you know, what's B12 like? What's serum folate like? Yes. Are, are those in any way relating to this? So there's definitely more to look at without a doubt. It's not just a case of, and I think people are very tempted to write results off because I train or because I use anabolic. Agreed. Uh, and that's a dangerous thing to do, um, though they do influence things to a certain degree. So I'm not sure on the, on the States, but CK... Um, CK in the UK, oh, fucking hell, it's, it's, it's a few hundred. Okay. Um, and I will will regularly see 500, 600, 700,000 in people that train. When we start getting pro-level mass, we'll start to see levels 15, 2, 2.5, or even higher in the thousands. Okay. But if you're a book 80 and your CK is 4,500, unless you trained and then went straight to donate your blood for your testing, you know, they should not be written off, oh, that's fine, that's because you train, because that is high. And that that's showing a huge amount of stress, physical stress within the structure of your body, a huge amount of inflammation. Yeah. Um, and, and that needs looking at. Like, Why is it there? What's causing that? That's, that's not normal. You shouldn't be that high um, at that level of muscle mass. All right. Let me see what else we got here. Um, okay. Thanks for another great episode. As always, uh, question for future episodes. Do constantly elevated test DHT levels from anabolic use, short and long term, influence hormone receptors? Do they increase, mm, they decrease do. the number and density? Uh, does their sensitivity change? Thanks. They, they increase. Didn't we have um, an, a researcher on one time who talked about that? Mm. They increase the number of receptors. And what he was looking at was, which I, that study should be about done, actually. Yeah. He was looking at what we term muscle memory was, but how long post-usage was there an, an extended advantage. And the general hypothesis was that one cycle of steroids will permanently increase satellite cells within the muscle and receptor density i love that vincent ford he really liked that waffle dave i joined mid waffle dave waffle people I'm are giving you some shit vincent. no, no. I'm not got, to him. Looks, like, looks like he has a pug there in his uh profile picture doesn't it is that a pug wearing a vest is that the pug wearing the blue t-shirt yeah <laughs> oh Oh, all right. What do we got here? Oh, we got a long question here. Oh, so he says he posted this question a couple of months ago. Just in case you think you have deja vu, we must not have covered it. Sorry, Mark. Uh, 
Let's see. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, keep up the great work. Fantastic shows. Would Dave be so kind? Dave is not a kind man to give a breakdown overview of how you start the process of getting on TRT in the United Kingdom as a natural male for health reasons when you get older. Uh, NHS or private clinics? Do you go uh, your own route and use blood testing companies and UGL testosterone? TRT for men is becoming more recognized but still behind HRT for women in the United Kingdom. How do you do that, Dave? I'm apparently mean, so I'm not answering it. You can. I don't know. It's different over there. Here in the U.S., you just go to like whatever doctor. Well, then shut the fuck up and be nice to me. You go to Florida. You find yourself a clinic. They'll easily prescribe you 500 milligrams of tests per week. As much Remedex as you possibly could want. Growth hormone, out the gills. So within the UK, um, NHS are incredibly, incredibly strict. Um, So I've heard. Now, with exception of a few, most doctors will not consider you for TRT unless you are truly below minimum range and they will test you fast at AM when levels are at their peak yeah. to establish that. So if you, for argument's sake, were one point above the minimum range at 9 AM in the morning fasted, you know that for the rest of the day, you're going to be below range, but they will not grant you TRT based on that because at that point you are in range. Yeah. There are a few doctors that are a bit more sensible with it, but a lot aren't. So the NHS route really is only for those that truly have very, very low production. Yeah. Otherwise, you're most likely to find it quite unsuccessful. Private clinics are growing in the UK. Oh. Um, and um, they're growing in popularity and they're growing in availability. They tend to be a little bit more flexible. And they will generally consider people with much higher levels. So they would consider you at 8, 9, 10, 11, possibly even 12 and more, which is nigh on double what the NHS would be wanting before they would consider um, treatment. But be careful. Um, I generally have a policy of not naming people, but I'm fucking going to do it in this one. Uh Uh-oh. There is a company and um, something my hormones, it's called. Something my hormones. Look it up, yeah. guys. Something my hormones. Is that dot com? Uh, <laughs> not that. Uh, it might just be check my hormones. I can't remember. But I have seen some really, really dodgy advice from those guys pushing people onto TRT. Um, when they don't need it, and they very much don't need it, you know. Yeah. And you've got to remember that TRT is going to become a lifelong commitment. And um, some of the, the stuff and information I've seen them hand out is is disgusting. Yeah, is it? Let's um, get checked. God, I can't remember honestly. I'm sure something my hormones. Um, I'd have to double check it. Let's get checked but, as like a home testing thing. Where you, they no, so this is, it's not, it might be Dr. My Hormones or something My Hormones. 
Um, but basically, they're fucking cowboys. There is a company called Optimail that does appear to be quite good, and there are a few others as well. But your private TRT clinic should be giving you contra management. So, and what I mean by that is they should be regularly testing you or insisting on you being regularly tested to monitor your blood viscosity, your HDL, uh, and all the other markers that are associated with your program. And remember, HRT is not, sorry, TRT, or HRT if it's female, but it's the same fucking thing at the end of the day. Sure. Is not about supercharging your system. It's about replicating your natural levels test so that you do, not, trend. you do not suffer the impacts of low, low hormones. So it isn't about running your test at 45, 50 and more. And if a company is willing to do that and they are not saying to you that you need to reduce your dose, I would be very dubious about staying with that company. And I know that sounds a bit uh, boring, but the fact is if they're willing to run you at 50 and more and 45 and more, they're not concerned with your health. They're concerned mm. with selling you drugs. Yeah. Um, the obviously other option is to do it yourself. And, and as most of us aren't shy of the pointy end of a needle, and we, we, we know where to get our drugs from, it, it's not difficult in that, that sense. But again, you need to monitor. So your dosing shouldn't be based around what the internet says or what your mate says or what your grandma does or anything else. It, it should be based around what your blood levels are. I've always found 60 milligrams twice a week to be a good starting point, And I've always found a minimum two twice a week uh, injection to mitigate a lot of sides because you don't get a huge peak and a drop off. You get multiple peaks within the week. Agreed. Uh, once you've run that for six weeks, you can then check your hormone levels and see where your testosterone, where your estrogen and where your prolactin is. Yeah. And if it needs tweaking, you can adjust and tweak it as necessary. You don't want to be in a situation unless you have to, where you are taking tests and then having to run an AI to manage your estrogen. That is not going to be healthy for you long term. It really isn't. So in an ideal world, your only supplementation would be test, though I would also consider HCG. And HCG. The, reason I'd, the reason I'd consider HCG is because there are LH receptors in your brain. And what some people will experience with TRT is a little bit of a, a flatness cognitive-wise. And if you input the HCT and you'll find that your thinking will be a little bit clear and you will be a bit sharper. It's not because the HCG is having any impact at the balls in hormone production particularly, though it will raise ITT, which is intertesticular testosterone levels. It's more that it has an impact in your cognitive function in your brain. Because remember... By injecting testosterone, you're missing out all the other hormones that are produced in the chain of hormone production. Yes. You're going right to the end product. Yeah, and you're you can not, end up getting you know, issues from that too. Like you, you can have libido yeah, issues it, from missing something else in that chain. So the, the HCG is a useful addition, but obviously HCG does aromatize. So you may need to keep a little bit of a slightly sharper eye on your estrogen or you may need to just tick your, titillate your testosterone level down a little bit to accommodate the extra HCG in the system that's helping your yep. brain and cognitive function. Yeah, because it is going to raise your overall levels. There is that. Yeah, you know. but it's it's about managing those levels. And and if any company is saying you don't need a blood test until once a year, again, for me, that would be a warning sign that that company hasn't got your best interests at heart. 
and they're really more just interested in you putting money in their pocket. Yeah, you said after six weeks. I think that's a great place because then you can get an idea. Hey, how is this affecting me? You know, because I, I was just talking to a guy I work with the other day. He's actually in the UK. He's actually running his own TRT. He was below the range. Yet the doctor, that NHS told him that, no, they weren't. The doctor was like, nah, we're not going to, we're not, you're okay. You're okay. You're fine. But you know what? There's a lot of symptoms to say that he's not fine. Is that the guy that came to see me up in? Yes. uh, Yeah. 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 So yeah, the doctors told him, they're like, nah, you don't need it. You're good. You're good. Um, But so he's doing his own thing. uh, And and right now he's running a hundred a week. And and absolutely, man, a great idea would be to get tested because that gives you an idea, too. Like you said, ideally, you're not going to need an AI. And I suggested, hey, start out with, you know, 0.5 milligrams of Rimidex once a week. But that almost as an insurance policy is I've seen people that have crazy conversion. But then let's let's look at this six weeks down the road. There's a good chance he's not going to need anything. But at the same time, let's see, you know, where your test levels are. I know a guy who requires 300 milligrams a week now this is the extreme end 300 mm-hmm. milligrams a week to be in a decent normal and in high end higher end not even like out of range but then there's another guy you know who might need you know 40 milligrams twice a week and he's fine and that's the point it should be based on your levels not on so if if certain people followed that that guy that does the 300 milligram a week you'd be out way out the going to be double or triple what they should be and and that's that's the problem yeah six weeks test your hormone levels adjust three months test your hormone levels again along with your cholesterol your blood viscosity and those sort of markers and then six months again moving forward unless you change anything or you have a change of feelings and circumstances or sensations or whatever it may be Uh, and that should be enough a couple of tests a year should be enough unless you start experiencing problems. Yeah. Um, so if you start experiencing problems, either your blood is thickening at an irregular rate, then then you either have to readdress your dosage or you have to start closer monitoring so that you can bloodlet and manage that more effectively. I mean, we've just bought a hemo, hematocrit meter so we can test on spot now for nice. blood thickness. Oh man, I'm coming to Dave's house when I'm in the UK to just get my hematocrit checked quick. Speaking of which, guys, you can go to Eval if you want to get some lab work done. Dave will take the blood bus around town. In fact, Dave will drive the blood bus to your house, no matter where you're at in the UK. No, he'll hop in Dave, that van. They'll, he'll hop in his van, his blood bus. He'll drive directly to your door. He'll also bring you a pizza. Tell your client that we are back up at Monster on the 5th of December. Okay. He needs to come. He needs to come back in. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Love the show. Oh, did Dave really say 500 milligrams of P5P? He says, that's 10 tablets. I didn't realize so much was necessary. By my standard, I, did. I use, mine's 100 milligrams. Uh, so that would be five tablets for me, five capsules. Unfortunately, I've never seen it dosed higher than 100 milligrams. Yeah. I take 100 to 200 a night to improve my sleep quality. What we got here? Carl says, uh, great job, guys. Look at all this positive reinforcement. You guys are you guys are awesome. Uh, keep it up. Uh, just started Sustanon. He's pinning with 27. He must mean 27 milligrams. No, I every, think he means a 27 G gauge needle. Oh, every other day. Basically, though, he's asking, will the PIP, 
Will it get better in time? Mm, possible. Uh, if we remove potential errors with the actual gear in the sense of too much alcohol in it or too much uh, solvent in it, then it could be the prop in the sust that's causing the problem. And it might be better switching to Enthor Sip. First uh, shot of test I ever took was an amp of Sustanon. It was sent to me by a man in the UK. It wasn't Dave. I wonder if Dave knew this guy, though. And let me tell you, Dave, I swear to God, it felt like somebody took a baseball bat and cranked back and cracked me right in the hip. It hurt so bad. So bad. I'm, I've never got on with Sust. I've never got on with Prop either. Um, both of them used to cripple me. Yeah. Mm. So it is not uncommon because there's two fannies here on this show that both can't cope with Prop and Sust. I, I, uh, so it is, as far as we're concerned now, it's perfectly normal to get pip off Sust. I'll tell you what, I, I do find uh, it doesn't bother me anymore. Um, it, it, over time, my sensitivity to it went down. I will tell you this, that anytime you inject into a virgin muscle, it is it is going to hurt. And over time, that muscle will get used to it. Uh, that said, prop is kind of a, it, it, it's different for everybody. I've known other people like you, Dave, that over, you know, they don't get used to it. And it just continues no. to suck, you know? Yeah, I used to get bad swellings as well. Oh, that's the worst, man. They could, they, I mean, they could be quite useful at times, depending on where you injected. We got another PIP story. Um, I've been on TRT for four years. Maybe I add extra sometimes, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, my TRT is script from Walgreens. Real drugs. Uh, ever since I started, I've had SI joint pain, and it finally occurred to me that I may be due to inflammation from injections. Started doing sub-Q two weeks later. It's considerably better. We're talking a constant five to eight day and night on a scale of one to 10 pain, uh, down to uh, a zero to one. Yeah, that, I've heard this, I've seen this before, man. I've had bad shots that gave me SI pain. I, I think he's answered his own question there. I really yeah. do, I think he's exactly where he, he should be. Yeah. Do you like my pussycat mug? <laughs> Is that Mrs. Meep? No, just I don't a, know where that ugly. I don't know where that horrible bitch is. <laughs> no, I mean the the picture. No, no, Mrs. Meep is black and white. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, for men in their a lot of kind of like TRT. Oh, this is a cycle question. Mid to late fifties. This guy's mid to late fifties, and uh, do a cycle a couple times a year. Uh, what do you see guys using for milligrams, dosages, and cycles? Also, is it common to feel after eight weeks on a cycle progress seems to come to a standstill? Uh, perhaps it would be smart to change compounds four to five weeks. First cycle at 51 was 400 milligrams of test. Uh, then I started prescribed TRT. I would say that 57, whether you like it or not, 
particularly starting late in the game, the potential for muscle mass development is going to be quite reduced. And so in that, they, there's good argument to say that going high in your doses is, is a bit unnecessary and potentially just not going to really have any major benefit for doing so. So I would have said I'd, I'd keep them around the 1G max. That would be my personal approach. Obviously, health markers and in individual cases do apply here. Um, but it, I wouldn't really look to be going much more than that, I don't think. Well, he did. So first cycle was at 400 milligrams of test. Yeah. I so, mean, that's a great little cycle right there. Yeah. Uh, and he's been cycling six years. So he's on TRT anyway. So, you know, I mean, obviously your choice of compounds changes. You know, 57 year old, you're not, you're going to be looking to, well, you're going to be, Decker's is going to be popular at the end of the day. It's, it's just as simple as that, isn't it? You know, you're going to like Decker because you're going to want to get rid of some of the makes of things. Um, regards the eight weeks on a cycle, progress seems to come to a standstill. That's probably more diet and training related than drug related. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it could be toxicity. Uh, it may depend on how you feel. If you're feeling run down and you're feeling under the weather, then I would say it's more drug-based. If you're not and progress just seems to halt, then I'd say there's an issue with being progressive in training or diet. Yeah, you, you make a good point, man, because uh, if you've gained muscle over that period of time, you know what you were eating when you were, say, 210 pounds, it's going to need to be different if you're 230 pounds, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's surprising Dave. how much food you can push into somebody. Hire Dave. Hire myself. Honestly, it, it is a great way to make progress by having a coach that knows what they're doing. But, you know, here we go. Question. If I if you take test E or C with DECA, it is best to take both at the same time every six days or stagger each three days apart? Hmm. So, two points here, uh, and there's a trade-off. We, we had a big move over the recent years to more stable bloods, more stable bloods, more stable bloods, and there is some merit in that, particularly when it comes to side effects. When you do a single injection protocol, you get a massive spike in hormone 24 hours after you inject. 12 of its prop, 24 of its a long-lasting ester like an anthazepine or something like that. Slightly longer if you're into DECA. And then it starts to steadily drop off in, in line with the half-life of the compound. When you've got that massive spike, you obviously have a very high level of blood hormone levels. But that also creates an increase in sides, an increase in conversion to estrogen, and all the other aspects that come. If you do a more frequent injection protocol, you don't get the big elevated peak. So you're not getting that initial drive towards a more anabolics in your system. But as a result of that, you get less estrogen conversion and you get less side effects. So dosing frequency does depend a lot on how the individual reacts to the alternative. Um, Though there is one little thing to add in here. Infrequency will help because the more stable you get your bloods, 
the more your body will upregulate clearance of the metabolites of that drug, and therefore the lower your overall blood plasma levels will start to become. Yeah. So I like to build in one irregular shot. It doesn't have to be a huge dose. Um, so for argument's sake, if I was doing a, a medium-low test, high DECA cycle, so say my, my test is 300 to 400 and my DECA is 600, I would do the test as a single shot. Do you ever do that? Or did you ever do that? No, it's something I've learned working with clients. Personally, I use that fucking much. I had to inject every bloody day. So uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have that benefit. Uh, I mean, my early cycles were single, single injections. But I actually, I I started to like injecting. I had a, a, a sort of a mental link with it that as I was injecting, I was obviously putting in more compound. So therefore, I was going to grow. I think a lot of us so, have at least gone through that. You know what I mean? Gone through yeah. that phase for sure. So, so in my early days, I really looked forward to injecting and it was a big, almost ceremony um, around putting this fluid in this oil into my system that's going to make me massive. As I got older, it was just a case of it's the only way I can get that volume of drug into my system is to just fucking inject every day. Ugh, and then and you got I burnt out. Listen literally do four or five injections because with certain compounds, I just couldn't put large amounts in. So I, I had to split them over several body parts, uh, which is why I, I had opened up so many areas for injecting. So I injected PET, I injected all three heads of my delt, injected lats, quads, calves, buys, two heads, tries, two heads. So I had a lot of injection size. Um, but that's the other thing. So some irregularity in the cycle can improve the body's response to that cycle. There is some literature that backs this, but it is a bit, it is a bit wishy-washy. Uh, um, and it, it's not sort of reinforcing concrete that that is a definite, but there is some literature to support it. So they are pretty much your choices. It, it, it's how you as an individual respond to your own injection protocol. All right, I've got one off topic for you. Oh, this is kind of funny too. Dave's camera is from the nineties. Actually, your your picture looks really good today. My camera is actually very good. It's my internet that's from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's on dial-up. I have I've, I've got a proper ten eighty HD camera. It's a decent one. It's a fucking expensive one. It's very clear right uh, now. This is perfect. Don't change anything. It's the internet that's garbage. Okay, so here's my question. If you were stranded on a desert island, all of your human basic needs were taken care of, what would be the one item you would bring with you? Desert island, all my basic needs are taken care of. Is coffee a basic need? We can say yes. Okay. Yeah, coffee is part of it. Probably, probably music in some form. Yeah. Yeah, not not instrument, but in in some way of listening or or playing music. Yeah. Huh. Is Victoria considered an item? I suspect that it will be considered a kick in the balls if you refer <laughs> to it as an item. She's quite an item, though. I'll tell you that. Uh, Oh, you're way punching above your pay grade there. Uh, I know, right? Way punching above your pay grade. I mean, you are, let's face it, you are one ugly fucker. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. Thanks for not sugarcoating it, Dave. Uh, no, I, I really lucked out, but I would think that would be that would if 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 it could be a person, then you know what I'm saying. I would. I yeah, I had not considered a person. I was considering materialistic items, which I yeah. would have said that probably music would be something that I would definitely. I could see music. From. You know, you think like in bodybuilding, be like, I want like a squat rack with a bunch of weights, but you could figure if you really wanted to lift weights. You could, like, uh, Gilgan's Island. You could probably make up, like, your own bamboo squat rack, you know? Yeah. There was a, there's a farmer in lockdown in the UK that made a whole gym out of wood. Yeah. There you go. You could make it. You could make your own. Yeah. <coughs> How about tools? Is that part of basic needs? Well, you don't need basic needs, do you? Because it's all provided for you. So what do you need tools for? To build my squat rack. Yeah, no. but you could... You don't need a rack. You just need a, a log of some description. Yeah. But you could, if you had tools, you could build more. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need a two-car garage. Well, you don't have any fucking cars, so it'd be a bit pointless. But if you had tools, you could, make a, you, you could make a, I don't know, like on the Flintstones. Make yeah, but you can make tools. I mean, if you're on a desert yeah. island, there's going to be there's going to be stones that you can use and sticks that you can use to create levers and cutting implements and stuff. We should make uh, this into a reality show, Dave, where you and I are stranded on a desert island with all of our basic needs met, and then it can just it like... be different. Can it be different islands? Yeah, definitely different islands. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, that's all we got for you. Um, I'm going to highly suggest that you do check out Evil and that you ask Dave to drive the blood bus to your house and bring a pizza while he's there. Maybe pick something up, pick up some smokes on the, on the way over. Right. Well, let's make one thing very, very clear. If I'm bringing pizza, by the time I get to your house, there will be no pizza. <laughs> let's, let's not bullshit this. Okay. Because if I've got pizza in my van, it's not going to have any by the time I get to your house. I will be presenting you with an empty box. Let's be real about it. So two pizzas. Have Dave pick up two pizzas. Same scenario. You get <laughs> empty boxes. Then you get two empty boxes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, in that case, though, uh, you can check out eval. Go to crosslands.org.uk. You can reach out to Dave there on coaching. You could, of course, reach out to me at McNallyDiets at gmail.com and shop with our awesome sponsors because they help they help to make this program happen each and every week. Uh, we can bring Dave to you, a little slice of heaven from the UK. TrueNutrition.com, use our code THINK. Of course, check out SupplementSource.ca. <laughs> David Crossland, as always, it has been a pleasure, my friend. You too, my friend. Take care.